Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the Business of Agriculture. It's me, Damian Mason, and I have a special guest. She's a friend of the show. You've heard from her before. Her name is Catherine Lotspeed. She's also a uh, host of her own podcast. It's the Millennial Ag Podcast. She can tell you all about that. But here's why you tuned in today. You tuned in because this episode, Responding to Bloomberg with Gray Matter. We're going to cut to a little further than what you saw everybody's uh, emotional knee-jerk response, their, their response that they did uh, out of pure emotion. And we're going to go a little deeper and talk about what this really means and what we can learn from it and what we're going to do about it and sort of analyzing it. So the show is going to verge on political, but no, we're not going to tell you who to vote for. We're not taking sides. We're more just going to talk about the politics, the politics of how this whole thing was played out. Catherine Lotspeech, thank you for being here. Thanks for letting me join again, Damien. It's great to be back. Well, you know, it's kind of nice to have you on because you always give me a little different perspective. You and I agree. We've got the dairy thing going, and sometimes we disagree. So I'm sure we're going to disagree on something today because, after all, you're one of those uh, hypersensitive millennials on social media who got everything handed to her that, like, grew up uh, playing video games on your phone and hanging out in your parents' basement. Am I right? All except for the part video games. We didn't have those in my house. We didn't have a basement either. But yeah, I'm a millennial, millennial snowflake. Tell everybody real quickly uh, your credentials. You're an agriculturally educated girl from a dairy farm background. And right now you work for? Ag professionals in Greeley, Colorado. So I do come from a large dairy in Utah. My family milks about 5,000 cows. Um, I grew up doing everything that my parents did on the farm. Um, so my chores weren't taking out trash. They were dragging corrals, taking care of calves, um, doing vaccinations, all that sort of good stuff. Um, I have a degree in dairy science from a land grant university, Utah state. And, um, I now work in Greeley, Colorado, helping, uh, dairies and feedlots navigate environmental regulations. And, um, on top of that, for sort of a side gig, um, I'm also the founder of Millennial Ag, which is a... Um, a website, blog, and podcast dedicated to asking some of the tougher questions in ag and not settling for um, go along to get along. You can find us um, on Facebook and Instagram at Millennial Ag. If I have to hear one more go along to get along thing, I, I think that's what Farm Bureau as a, an organization, I think that's their motto. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a <laughs> banner before you walk into the American Farm Bureau Federation's offices. I think it says go along to get along because you're always like, why are you not doing this? You've got to go along to get along. Uh, all right. Speaking of going along, getting along and politics, Michael Bloomberg former mayor of New York City, referenced in my book, by the way, Food Fear, where I have an entire chapter to, uh, devoted to food police and New York mayors, because Michael Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg was the mayor of New York City, and in 2013, he's the one that instituted the soda uh, regulation that uh, New Yorkers shouldn't have more than 16 ounces of Coke, or 7-Up, or whatever pop you might choose. For me, it'd be Coca-Cola, of course, and, um, and, and that made a big, big, huge fuss. So, Michael Bloomberg, in 2016, Catherine, what, what did he do? Because I had my response, and I watched that video four times to make sure I was hearing it. Because remember, what I have learned as a professional speaker 
if people already don't like you, they will hear whatever they want to hear, regardless of what is said. You watched the Bloomberg video. I put out a response on social media that I thought was uh, uh, appropriate. Um, what did you hear when you saw the video? I heard, um, you know, an elitist um, tech billionaire talking about something that he didn't know very much about, but I... I sort of blew it off. I wasn't, I didn't think that it was that big of a deal to be quite honest. Um, he, I mean, yeah, he made it sound like agriculture is a lot easier than it is, but perhaps he was talking about ag as it was conducted 3000 years ago. Okay. So if you somehow have not heard this, uh, dear listener, the, the, the simple clip, it's a, it's a 59 second clip. Just Google, but don't do it now because you're listening to us. You can Google <laughs> Michael Bloomberg uh, farming and I'm sure it'll come up. Ag Daily uh, is the clip that I found it off of, uh, or Ag News Daily, maybe, I don't know, Ag Daily Wire, I don't know. Anyway, I found it in a number of places. I watched it from a few different sources to make sure that none of them were doctored up. And frankly, it's insulting, and it says some things about Bloomberg, but I didn't quite have as much of a visceral emotional response as many in Ag did, because I, first off... I used to be a political comedian. I have watched video of politicians saying and doing a lot of stupid shit. So <laughs> I, I kind of just took it like that. But anyway, you saw it. And if you're a, a viewer, you're listening right now and you're saying, what, what was said? He basically was just talking about the evolution of an economy. Uh, mm -hmm. And he was saying his essential, his words were something like, you know, take farming, for instance, you know, no offense to anybody, but I could teach anybody in this room how to, how to do this. You, you dig a hole, you throw a seed in the ground, you cover it up with dirt, and you add water. That's basically what he said. And he said, you know, not a lot of gray matter there. Gray matter, of course, he's referencing uh, utilization of your brain. That's offensive? Yeah. A little out of touch? Yeah. Um, uh, a little insulting? Yeah. But then what you saw and I saw that you didn't like, Catherine, you saw an agricultural response that you thought you were embarrassed of. Tell me about that. It, it was embarrassing and it still is embarrassing, you know, three days later. Um, I think the response by agriculture is completely overblown. Um, number one, and number one was it was four years ago. And there's some rumors out there that this was dug up by some of the opposing Democratic presidential campaigns to, to make Bloomberg look bad. Um, and I mean, it's certainly caused a lot of outrage, which is, you know, what drives the social media machine these days. But um, just just the the outpouring of visceral emotional responses from production agriculturists was just like, really, guys, seriously? I mean, how many times just in this year, just in 2020, has something like this come up? There was Joaquin Phoenix at the Oscars. There was uh, the Golden Globes or the Emmys or whatever it was where they went vegan. Starbucks came out and said, you should only have plant-based creamers in your coffee. I mean, every single week, there's something to be outraged about. And Ag did what Ag does and showed their hand as a bunch of outraged um, Neanderthals. And that's not, not what agriculturists are. Absolutely not. But that's what we came over as. Yeah, and I, I was at commentary on all of these, and I always try to take it to a little different level. And uh, about the Michael Bloomberg thing, because he also talked about industrialization and said, you know, you, you got a job, uh, let's say, putting something on a lathe. I call it a lathe. He called it a lathe. 
uh, but that's okay. Um, and he says, you, you put this thing in the tool and as long as you get it spinning the right direction of the arrow, you've got a job. And then he said, went on to say, but that, those, those skills aren't valuable anymore. You know, we used to have 98% of us worked in farming. Now it's uh, less than 2%. So his numbers were close to accurate. I, as a former factory worker, because I was, my wife and I both were factory workers and farmer, I said, okay, he's actually got kind of a point here in that we, because of amazing amounts of innovation and technological application, we're not still doing things. The factory I worked in is closed. Um, that's tragic because a, uh, a whole bunch of factory workers are no longer employed. But this is where he, I think, he, he, he was a bit out of touch because imagine that, a New Yorker that's worth uh, $62 billion is out of touch. When he talked about, you know, we don't have those skills, you, know, you don't have to have a lot of gray matter, which was fairly insulting. But, uh, and that's what a lot of ag people took that you're saying we're stupid. Um, but uh, he does have a point in that economies evolve. These, these jobs, you and I both know that um, we've replaced manual labor in many cases with technology. We, we get that. But it was more that he was saying that, that we don't even need this. And I, my response on social media, Catherine, was I said, hey, as a former factory worker and farmer, uh, let me just give you some scoop here. You know, I went to a land grant university as you did, and we know that those, those institutions were created for one, you know, one, they were created to advance the mechanical and agricultural arts as the actual wording of the law based on the Morrill Act. What we've talked about is industrialization and agriculture are the foundation of our great country that allowed us to produce 25% of the global economy with just 4.3% of the global population. That was my response. That basically you're diminishing this, Michael Bloomberg, instead of recognizing it for what it is. It's the reason we can have technology. It's the reason we can have Google or Amazon or Apple. It's because someone's growing the apples. That's why we can have apples, because we can apply this great technology. So I think that's where he more demonstrated his out-of-touchedness. You. Um, at the risk of, you know, being agreeable, <laughs> I agree. Um, the, the reason that we have the society that we do today is because um, a very small number of people can produce food for the people who have talents that lie elsewhere or, or are able to innovate in other industries. So the banker doesn't have to worry about what's going to be on the table when he gets home. He knows that there's going to be food there and he's free to do his banking business as he sees fit. So I think um, out of touch as a billionaire, is a good good summary of of that yeah i, I think that maybe the the real reaction and this is where i want to talk about because i said we're gonna call this responding to bloomberg with gray matter it bothered both you and i that there was what i would call the dumbed down response which is what drives a lot of media and social media you know i saw the thing i bet your bloomberg can't plant corn he gone you know and i'm like wait a minute you know bloomberg couldn't plant corn and i'm like well you know what he probably could i mean <laughs> he probably could figure this out um let's be realistic here he couldn't deliver a calf probably he's never done that whereas you and i have but uh, to the people that are all, well, Bloomberg couldn't do this. I'm like, well, you couldn't start a $62 billion uh, media empire either. So let's just realize that we have our strengths and many of our aptitudes are what, you know, that's what we do for a living. I didn't like that response as much as I just tried to take it to, let's not be so diminishing of these things like industrialization, agriculture. And actually, this is where the biggie is. When he says, but now we've moved into a thinking economy. And I hear that a lot. Um, again, that's almost then saying that production doesn't matter. Well, 
we still need it. We still need televisions, computers, cars, things that are spun out on a lathe, and we certainly <laughs> need food. So that's where I think the, the problem was moving forward is that he was essentially devaluing the stuff that we still do need. Your thoughts? Yes. I mean, the, the very basis of an economy is that people buy stuff. You have to buy stuff, um, whether it's food, whether it's TVs or, or blades, because <laughs> right. those get bought and sold too. Um, you know, economies are very much dependent on people buying and selling things. That's, I think that's the literal definition of economy. Um, I think that agriculture, by their reaction, maybe played played to Bloomberg just a little bit by showing a lack of gray matter in the way that they reacted. Um, if you're, you'll forgive the pun, um, because they responded in an emotional way. And, uh, while you and I have talked about how emotions are the way to connect with, with consumers or to connect with other people. Um, in this instance, it, it was the wrong use of emotion. And in my opinion, would serve to drive consumers who, who maybe need to hear our message um, away because you know that Michael Bloomberg doesn't care what farmers have to say about him, about what he had to say about farmers. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter um, because we're a drop in the bucket. And as far as voting, as far as a voting population goes, and um, if anything, you know, we're driving his name on, on social media algorithms. He's coming up more and more because of this. Yeah. So, uh, and you're right. Uh, it's kind of like uh, when all the all the ag people decided they were all the corn growers said they were going to stop drinking Bud Light over the corn syrup thing. I'm like, well, first off, why are you drinking that crap to begin with? It's the Pepsi <laughs> of beer. It's, it sucks. Secondly, um, being very realistic and honest here about uh, that, if every farmer stopped drinking Bud Light, okay, first off, how many of them already are drinking Bud Light? And how many of them are there? So you got a, a couple hundred thousand corn growers, and then half of them don't drink Bud Light anyhow. And the other half, you know, you're talking about such a small segment. Bloomberg's going to not probably get some of the farmer vote. The bigger picture here is, uh, as a person that's such a capitalist, it's worth $62 billion, you know, from his economic standpoint, you'd think you would kind of be saying, the great thing is we value all this. We know that it evolves. And I know he was probably taken out of context. You know, our industry has evolved. I point out some of the things that actually are not too far off of what he's saying. We're going to have half the number of farmers 10 years from now just because we don't need them. It's not some conspiracy. It's not because we're trying to kill off the family farm. It's just because we don't need as many people, just like we already have less people doing it than we did 40 years ago. So, you know, that's going to happen. It would be uh, maybe a better, more long-term vision for Mr. Bloomberg if he just said, okay, while this economy is evolving, here's where we're going. And this is my biggest problem as a former factory worker. When he says you don't have a lot of gray matter, okay, yeah, you could stay on the assembly line and put a tire on a car going by, let's say, without having to be capable of doing, um, you know, uh, uh, mathematical equations. However, work has dignity. And what I think is the more troubling thing is a person like Bloomberg doesn't give enough value to the work that these people do. And there are some people that are never going to be smart enough to go out and create the next uh, <laughs> the next Amazon. Um, and so what do those people do? And that's a question I've always wondered. What do the, what, what are we expecting those people to do, Mr. Bloomberg? Are they, oh, it's a thinking economy. You got gray matter. Okay. Through no fault of their own, this person's 
just smart enough to really be a good assembly line worker, but not smart enough to create uh, the next Tesla, uh, you, you know? Right, and I would argue the point that um, the vast majority of us are not going to create the next Tesla. I mean, uh, we sit on a on a spectrum of of um, capabilities, intelligence, and capabilities in the human race. And I mean, I'm not going to build the next Amazon, and I don't think you are either. <laughs> no, and, I'm, I'm not even sure. You know what happens if you build the next Amazon? Then you're uh, you're fooling around with some hot Latino woman, and then her <laughs> brother gets naked pictures of you, and then the whole world sees your your, your your naked pictures. I'm not sure that's something I want. Certainly not something I want fooling around with a hot Latina lady, not on my list of things to do. Um, so anyway, back to it. The So no, I mean, the vast majority of us are not going to create the next Amazon or Tesla. Um, there is dignity in work. And I also think that, you know, we've been taught um, in school and high school and college in America, that you have to be the best, you have to be the leader, you have to be at the very top every single time. But at some point, um, you know, you need, you need, you need followers too. You can't, you have all leaders and nobody to, nobody to, nobody to lead, but then you end up in trouble. As Judge Smale said on one of the best movies of all time, Caddyshack, well, Danny, the world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right. The, the other part that honestly, this is kind of a, a thing that I wanted to point out to my ag people. What, would, what bothers me more than Bloomberg's uh, slightly insulting statement is that he is an autocrat. Uh, he, he has the old thing about give a little man a little power. And he is a little man, by the way, he's, he's diminutively small, he's, he's, which diminutive is small, but anyway, he's a small <laughs> fellow. Um, he wanted to ration the amount of soda pop you can have. What does that tell you? I mean, you've got eight and a half million people in New York city limits that he's supposed to be mayoring. Uh, you've got the, you know, a lot of moving parts and yet you're going to, you're going to think it's your job to tell people they can't have uh, uh, 24 ounces of Coke someday. That bothers me. And also, he's one of these people that this, he's, he's now got such vast wealth, he can throw money at a cause and essentially bend some will. I worry more about what Michael Bloomberg will be as a president than what he says here, because if you already are somewhat insulting or dismissive or even diminishing of things like the land grant university, you know, upbringing that you and I have industrialization and food production are very valuable. What if he also is such a um, out of touch person that as as president, he decides it's important for him to ration or to determine food choice since he tried to do that as mayor. That's what I'm more worried about. What would bother you about Bloomberg as president? I think the idea that you can regulate your way into health or wealth or whatever is a very, very dangerous mindset to have. Um, you know, I, I'm not affiliated with any particular political party because I don't like being told what to do, um, especially not by old white men. But um, I think that kind of a mindset is, is um, a recipe for a road straight to, to disaster. Um, and your point about him having so much money that he can sort of bend will, you know, he's not, I mean, he's using all of his own money to fund his campaign right now. I don't know if he's accepting any money from donors or if he's getting donations from anybody who's interested in having him as president. Um, but the fact that you could, the fact that you could also almost buy your way into the presidency or at least into a, a serious candidate candidacy, 
um, is scary to me. Yeah, I mean, just throw the numbers here. So if he's worth 60 billion, which is one of the articles said 63, one of them said 56, let's call it 60 billion. When you have billion 60, here, a billion there, pretty soon you're talking real money. If you've got 60 billion laying around and you just took the interest off of investments, you surely, God, can figure out a way to make 5% off your money, right? <laughs> okay, right. so that's $3 billion a year. If he spends $3 billion uh, this year to try and get elected, there's never been, I don't know if you added up all the campaigns of the last 20 years added together that would amount to that. So will it actually get votes? Well, it certainly has already done so. I mean, he's he's in the number two slot in a lot of the polls, if you believe that. Again, we're talking a little bit about politics, and I'm going to take it to the next level because you have some political points as well. I've seen politicians uh, and wannabe politicians that have scared me before. And again, I can handle the out of touch. I can handle the insult. I responded in a, what I thought was a more gray matter demonstrating way, just saying, let's not diminish these two things. A person that wants to control your consumption of soda pop as president scares me in that they're also going to then come up with the idea, we shouldn't be eating meat because he is a bit of on the environmentalist side. He is a bit on the, he certainly his big things are human nutrition and obesity issues and what he, what, what he thinks are the remedies. And it's by him being a very heavy handed ruler, take away soda pop, for instance. Right. And he's, of course he's big on being anti-gun. A guy like this as president, what if he says, well, you know, the problem, uh, the problem with agriculture is, and whatever that thing might be, because he doesn't know, <laughs> it, he, he might just say, here's what we need to do, and then come up with some pretty outlandish, uh, you know, proposals. Um, that's what I would be concerned about. Yes, I, I share those same concerns, too. It's, it's you know, it, it's very scary when politicians, for me, start focusing on food and nutrition and agriculture, because... Um, just because of the way our society is 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 made up these days, um, you know, most people are three, four, even five generations removed from the farm now, and don't don't understand how the industry works, all the intricacies and and um, you know the the nuances that really do go on in our industry. Mm -hmm. So again, I mean, going back to the idea that you can you can legislate or regulate your way into into whatever your goal is um, is is it's a terrifying prospect. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that, uh, Bloomberg is going to be the democratic candidate, but, but if he is, even if he isn't, I think that these are things that we in agriculture need to take seriously, um, rather than just being outraged about some, you know, little blip that he said four or five years ago. Um, especially when, you know, people who are currently in office say far more outrageous things on the regular and get away with it. Yeah, I'm going to throw some reality at this also, because again, we promised we were going to respond to Bloomberg with gray matter. We are going to show our smarts here. You know, let's admit some things and agriculture folks, and you and I are both them. We are agriculture <laughs> folks. A lot of our peers don't like to admit some of the realities. Bloomberg is a very extremely wealthy person, and he did come from some moneyed background. You talk about him being out of touch. One of his uh, references to try and appeal to the common man was he talked about his mother who used to play Scrabble with their maid. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that's, 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 I mean, that, hey, gosh, that's right out of a Norman Rockwell picture, Bloomberg. Mom playing, was she, you know, was her name Aunt Jemima? For God's sakes, Bloomberg. Yeah. Okay, here's, um, Here's the thing about um, about all this. Um, when I look at 
when I look at what uh, what I, I say are uh, political causes, a, six, a guy that's worth that much, what if he says, you know what, from a business standpoint, agriculture's never just been forced to compete. And again, our ag people, our friends out here are going to not like this, but my brother works for USDA. I just got a call from the Farm Service Agency yesterday to sign up a piece of property that I own in Indiana. And we gave $16 billion to agriculture in 2019. Now, some of it actually got paid just here this last two months. So it was announced in 2019 and essentially it all went out. That comes on what was announced it could be $12 billion in 2018. I think they only ended up paying about eight to $9 billion. What if Bloomberg says, hey, you think I'm critical of agriculture that's not hard? Let's talk about the reality here. We propped you up with more dollars than we gave to the auto manufacturers, and the auto manufacturers paid most of that back. Uh, what if he comes out, what if his response if he were president is, we're not going to fund the USDA uh, for, so we can bail you guys out? That's, that's a hell of a lot more frightening and more bothersome than him saying, yeah, it's easy. Just dig a hole, throw a seed in it, put some dirt on it, and add water. What do you think? Right. I think looking beyond, again, those that small insult a few years ago is really what's important in this issue. Um, the idea of that as a production agriculturist is is terrifying because they're, I mean, yeah, agriculture has subsidies and gets gets bailed out, for lack of a better term, um, especially in really bad years like 2019 was with floods and, and you know, biblical weather and all those sorts of things. Um, and that's that's how a lot of people stayed in the industry this year. Um, and that's how a lot of people stay in anyway. Um, I think thinking about all of thinking, looking beyond just the, the emotion of the moment and looking where this could really lead us um, is, is a very important exercise. Um, I really appreciate what you're doing there. And to go back to the response that this, this has gotten over the last week, I think it's important to point out too, you know, a lot of people in agriculture were shouting about, oh, you know, you have to vote strictly Republican or boycott Bloomberg services or, you know, just yelling at him all over social media, none of which is going to make a damn bit of difference to his ignorance. Um, I also think that voting red isn't going to fix this kind of ignorance. Um, you know, brilliant, brilliant statement. And, and, you know, we don't typically get political, but you know what, folks, you can discuss the reality of political climates and political issues without then saying, oh, I'm being political. We're not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you who to vote for. It never would even consider that. That's that's your business. The main thing here is you're right. Um, we have a ruling class, and we have a problem with a lot of elitists are the ones that can become politicians because they have time and money to pursue political endeavors. Um, I'll give it to you both sides, Catherine. Barack Obama. Uh, of course, showed that he had somewhat of disdain for rural America, because what did he say? They cling to their guns and their Bibles. Fairly insulting to people that are religious or that happen to think the Second Amendment is an important uh, uh, you know, constitutional right. So on the flip side, I'll go the other way, Karl Rove. Karl Rove showed his elitist, his egalitarian elitism uh, years ago. He was the advisor to George W. Bush when they talked about immigration and maybe we should try and fix this immigration. And Karl Rove said, well, I don't care if there's illegal immigrants. Uh, essentially, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me because I sure as hell don't want my kid to have to go and change the sheets at the Holiday Inn. Again, first off, maybe your little little prick kid should have to change sheets at the Holiday <laughs> Inn, right? <laughs> but, but it shows such an air of, of elitism and arrogance 
that your kid is too good to have to do a menial job. And, uh, and on Obama's side, it showed a disdain for rural America or what he believed were rural American values. And I think that that's one thing that we're never going to get away from as long as we have a sort of elitist ruling class. I think you're exactly right. I mean, Pres President Trump isn't any, isn't any smarter about farming than Bloomberg is. And in my belief, doesn't care anymore about the rural population and agriculturists beyond trying to get us to turn up at the polls in November. Um, you know, I, I, they don't care. They, they have much larger things on their minds than, than the people who feed them because, because we've never been hungry. Food always just essentially shows up in America and has since the 19, what, 50s after World War II? Yeah, certainly. You know, surpluses are a, a, a creation in the last 100 years, you know, so so nobody alive has really seen us, uh, almost nobody alive has really seen us to where you're like having to go out and you know, shoot rabbits to eat. So, yeah. Um, and you're probably going to make some folks that are listening to this mad when you said that whether it's Trump or Bloomberg about caring. I've always wondered about that. Uh, I know there was polling. Again, I used to be a political comedian. That um, Why would you vote for this? Anybody. doesn't matter which party, which whatever. What office. It doesn't even matter. And when they say, oh, he or she cares about me. And I'm like, are you naive or dumb? Why, why would you think <laughs> that some politician cares about you? Um, you? You know, I just, I don't get that. I, I don't either. Um, and as I've come more into my own as, an, as a young adult and have voted in the last few elections, um, I, I really wonder when people say that too. I mean, I've met several politicians. I've worked for politicians. Um, and the ones I worked for, I worked for, I obviously had a little bit closer of a relationship. But I mean, most politicians by and large are really, really good at the grab and grin, you know. Um, they shake your hand, they grin, they say, it's great to know you. They look deep into your eyes and then they move on to the next person because yeah. that's, that's what they're trained to do. And that's, I mean, that's how they have to act to get through life as a politician. You know, it's, it's an awful lot of people to meet and a lot, awful lot of people to impress in a very short time. They have to make you think that they care about you personally, but they don't. Well, we're recording this here in the third week of February uh, 2020, so we don't know who's going to be the candidate. Uh, we are simply trying to do what I said was going to be a, a less emotional, uh, smarter response to Bloomberg demonstrating our gray matter. And as an industry, uh, again, you know, Catherine and I are as proud of anybody to be from this industry and to be working within this industry. Um, I know that I know that when uh, when we got when we got attacked after 9-11, uh, then George W. Bush, within what, several months, uh, we had invaded Iraq and, you know, we were at war. And there was a lot of jingoistic, rah-rah, uh, we're going we're gonna to beat the shit out of the world, we're going to show them. And, you know, again, I know that that's an emotional reaction and it's not uncommon. And I like Toby Keith music as much as anybody, probably more so about, uh, you know, uh, American boy, American girl, you know, I like that. Um, but... The reality is the people that blew up the World Trade Center were dead. Uh, we weren't going to war and getting and, and uh, taking care of those people. Um, they were already they were on those airplanes. So you do always have these things where you try to balance the emotion and, and the reaction to what is happening at the political or global level. And that's where I think that we, we got to look at this Bloomberg thing and say, I can handle that you sort of diminished uh, our industry. Um, but for God's sakes, if you're going to be the president, 
I need you to at least understand <laughs> what, what, that it's the foundation of our economy. Uh, it's the reason that we can have such a thriving tech industry is because nobody's worrying about food. I guess that's what I would, if, I, if you gave me three minutes with Bloomberg, that would be my statement. Fair enough. I, I can appreciate that. And I, I, if I gave you three minutes, if I gave you 90 seconds, you're meeting Bloomberg. He's already looked you deep in the eye, which would be difficult. You have to stand on a, on a, on a, on a bushel basket to do that because he's about probably four inches shorter than you. Um, so if he looks in your eyes and does the grab and grin, you've got now one minute. What are you going to tell Bloomberg? I think that I would tell him that um, just what we've been talking about here today, Damien, that the reason that we have the society that we do in America is because of the foundation that agriculture and industrial industrialization has laid for the rest of America to grow and to to not forget about that foundation. If you start start chinking away at those foundations, um, the temple's going to fall. Your house crumbles. Yeah, that's 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 dead on. Your house crumbles. Uh, Okay, and you still got 20 more seconds. You gonna tell me anything else? <laughs> Are you gonna say, and keep your hands off my soda pop, you little bastard? Are you gonna do that? <laughs> I think I think I might tell him to keep it off my off my milk and my meat first. Um, I don't drink a whole lot of soda, but I get where you, where you're coming from. Um, uh, I'm on my third Coca-Cola today, which is 36 ounces, which would be <sighs> more than double what he says I'm allowed to have. So I don't know, man. Good thing you don't live in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> For lots of reasons. Okay, her name's Catherine Lot Speech. If you want to connect with her, it's what at the K Lots is uh, your Twitter handle. Well, tell them about Instagram. You and I are both uh, doing more and more on Instagram. Where do they find you over there? Um, at the K Lots, K L O T S, um, and also Millennial Ag. And you can find Millennial Ag on Facebook as well. Good. Um, and also, don't forget www.millennialag.com. And she's such a millennial. All right. Her name's Catherine. My name's Damian Mason. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being here, by the way, Catherine. Thank you, Damian. It's a pleasure as always. All right. Till next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damian on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.